So we're starting from the top line where the Gemara says, Amar So what are we talking about here? We're talking about the Memra of Rav Sheshis. So Rav Sheshis explains that when somebody's watching a deposit and uh, the owner comes over and he says, where is the deposit? If the Shomer denies having it when he really does have it, so at that point he becomes a Din of Aganif. So even if no Shvua, nothing swearing falsely, nothing, just denying that you have it when reality is it's right by you. And as Igmar clarified, when it is by you, not like it's far away and you have to, you know, you're buying yourself time. But in a real case where it's by you and you're just um, denying it, I don't have it. He never gave it to me. So in such a case, the law is you become like a Ganav at that point, which is a Chiddush. You need to do a Maisa Gneva. That's why it's such a Chiddush. Rosh Hashanah is din. We're saying you did like, uh, you become like a Ganav. And then the Nafkamina is that at that point, you become liable for any onus that might occur to the Chayfetz. As a Shomer, you have limited liability. Only certain things, negligence, onus, and so forth. But once you become like a Ganav, once you deny that you have it, now you become like a robber. Rosh Hashanah is that now you're like a Ganav. So Amir Ilfa, the Gemara says, Shvuakona, an oath acquires. What does that mean? That means at the time that a shomer swears falsely denying that he has the deposit, that's when he's kona. That's when he becomes chayv to be chayv even on him. So it sounds like shvu dekani. It's only if he swears falsely about having it that uh, he becomes like a ganav avukfir lokani. Just denying that he has it alone does not acquire for him. So the gemara says the same answer. That's like what we started yesterday. Is he wasn't in denial of something that was that he had. It was a case of denying it when the deposit was in a swamp. So meaning he was just buying himself time. He was, wasn't really intending to steal it for himself. It was a delaying tactic until I can go get it for him. But if it's by you and you're just denying it, clearly that's just a, an intent of theft. An intent of theft, you become like Aganov and the fact that <coughs> you've denied it to the face of the owner. If you buy same, uh, another approach, my Kona, what does Ilfa mean when he says a is Kona? He's not talking about to be Chayv Kona, but for own sim. He's talking about a totally different issue altogether. And this is one of the most fascinating issues out there. Someone says to his friend, a mine is in your possession, meaning, you have my thing. What are you talking about? You don't have anything in my possession. And he swears to that. So he already swears. And remember, by the Torah law, Swearing, that's enough. You can't get, nothing, nothing else can work. So he was exempted, so to speak, by the court once he swore. But then what happened was, Akim Boedim. Then witnesses come and they say that he's actually guilty, that he does have it. Potter, he doesn't have to pay. The owner should accept it and he shall not pay. So this is talking about the case where, um, you know, where, where Shomer promises that he wasn't negligent. So it says that the, that the owner of the item accepts it. What is he accepting? He's accepting the oath and then he, the Shomer, doesn't have to pay. So there's a big yesoid here. Once the owner was makabal the shvua, at that point, the Shomer can no longer have to pay money. So Ilfa is saying that once a defendant swears he requires full ownership through his oath, and now he's always exempt from paying. What a chiddush. We'll talk about this more and more as we go through, um, as we go through the daf today. So in other words, but when you become chayef for onsin, when you just become like a, like, a, like a robber, of course, as soon as you deny having it and it's really by you, forget about swearing. Rav Sheshis, as you said, is right. At that point, you become like a ganav and you're chayef for onsin. This halacha of Shavuokon is coming to say a different thing. That if I, if I swear, if I swore and it was accepted by the owner, and in the moment I became exempted through my shvua, even if subsequently witnesses come and they say that really really it's by me the halacha is that I no longer can be liable once the shvua exempted me
So now the Gemara wants to get much more into that. Let's go over this case. Someone who says, mine is in your possession. The guy says, he responds, no, you don't have anything in my possession. And he swears, but then afterwards, witnesses come and say that he has it. Once the owner receives the oath, he makabled the shvua, and the defendant became potter, so then he no longer has to pay money in the future. So the Gemara says, Presumably, Rav's halacha should be limited to a loan. A loan is given to be spent. So meaning someone gave somebody money, which spent, the, the, the money itself given to him certainly no longer exists. The question is just whether he's required to pay from your own money, right? When I lend you money, you don't pay me back with the same money, you pay me back with different money. So there we could say, he doesn't have to pay, meaning not only have to pay his own money. Once you're exempted from Meshua about whether the fact you owe debt, there you're potter forever. But if it's a deposit, I can't acquire your thing. If you give me something to watch and I falsely lie that it's not by me when it really is, well then it can't just become mine. It still is your thing. So of course I still have to give it back once it's discovered through witnesses that I lied. Well, Kim, but he promises... And then it's like a lashon shvua. Amar Rav Yilu The reality is that Rav said it even by Bikadim. That pasuk Lachav Bavu Leisham is talking about a Bikadim. It's talking about a deposit. So as, as as difficult as it is to believe, that's really where the Rav's halacha is. Rav's halacha is that once the shomer pays, the shomer swears, and that shvua was accepted by the owner, and it became exempted through it. And even if witnesses subsequently disagree and they say differently, so we always believe the witnesses still he is exempt. He doesn't have to pay. So we're going to have a really hard time understanding this principle. That's Rav Nachman coming last night. Rav Nachman sitting over, saying over this number. Rav, it's very Rav. Rav Yumi, Rav Nachman. Rav Yumi challenged Rav Nachman from the following Mishnah. The Mishnah says, "Hey, Someone comes over to Shomer Chinam. He says, "Hey, where's the deposit I gave you?" I'm a little He says, "It was lost, and I'm potter from paying." Because remember, a Shomer Chinam is potter on Geneva Veda. He's only high for liability. It says, I adjure you, right? That you have to swear that what you're saying is true. Amar, amen. The Shomer answered, Amen. So he accepts the oath. When you answer, Amen, that's accepting the oath. It's as if, you know, you made the Shvua there. Afterwards, witnesses come and they testify that he consumed it himself. What is the law? The law is, He does have to pay the value of the deposit. If the custodian, if the shomer admits himself that he swore falsely, so what do we see? We see that a shomer is liable even after he swears. Now, let's just let's clarify. There's two cases. There's where it's proven through witnesses that he lied, and there's a case where he confesses and he lied that that, that he lied. So in the second case where he confessed that he lied, that he pays presumably the Gemara kind of knows the whole time that Rav's case doesn't include that. Rav's din that once the shvua is accepted. Then, then you're forever potter. Presumably, that case, Rob's din is not going to include where you confess that you yourself swore falsely. Because that seems to be psukim in the Torah. That, that when a person swore falsely about a matter of liability of owing debt, that he's chayv b'karam kol mishvashim. Presumably, Rav knows that that's mamish kamat b'feir shapasak in the Torah. It's the first case that Rav probably argued on and that we're coming to prove not like Rav. Where a person swore and then Adam come and say he swore falsely. And he didn't confess to it. The Adam said he swore falsely that it says here he has to pay the karen. And presumably, that was Rav's din. Rav's din is that you don't have to. Once the shuil was niskabal to the owner, then your are even if Adam come up. Come up. This is not talking about a proper shvua. This is a shvua which happened outside of the court. A shvua that happens outside of the court doesn't have, you know, the full scope of the severity of a shvua to potter from the plaintiff's claim completely against him. And uh, whereas Rav was talking about specifically a shvua that was made in the court. So here he swore it wasn't in the court. So there, of course, if Adam come, then he has to pay. Rav is only saying, the shvua pottering you forever when it's a shvua in the court. Amalei said to him, if that's the case, look at the sefer. It says, where's my pikadon? 
Amalo Nignav, he responds, it was stolen. So I'm Potter. Again, he's a Shomar Chinam. I adjure you that what you're saying is true. And he responds, and afterwards, the witnesses testified that he really stole it himself. He actually has to pay Kefal. This is something that we learned in Perek Merubah. We learned that when a Shomer Chinam swears that something was stolen from him, when the reality is that he um, that he that that he still has it, he's treated like a Ganav himself. So someone who claims Tan as Ganav, somebody who claims that something was stolen from him, he becomes like a Ganav. So that's the halacha here. Once the Adam testified that he really stole it, he has to pay Kefal. If he himself admits that he, forced, that he swore falsely, it's okay. So very good. So here's the halacha all about when somebody swore falsely about that it was stolen from him as a Shomer Chinam. So if it enters your mind that we're dealing with a case where he swore outside of base in Mika, Kefal, could there be Kefal for the oath taken outside of the court? Meaning only a, code, a court-imposed oath should have the halacha of Toin Tanas Ganav that it becomes like a Ganav. Because if you take a look at the Pesukim where we see this huge halacha that a Shomer Chinam was first falsely was stolen from him, he becomes like a Ganav that says specifically where they approach the court. The Pasuk emphasizes. So presumably just because the end of the bride's over here, in the Seifa, by the Shomachinim claiming it was stolen, must be talking about a Shua in Basin. So the, presumably the first case as well, where it was where he claims it was lost, was also taken in Basin. Now, I just want to clarify something. If you look at the Gemara clearly, what it's saying is, just as that case is in Basin, so too that case is in Basin. But the Gemara isn't asking directly from the law of the Seifa on Rav. Meaning, Rav said, if somebody takes a Shua and it was accepted, then he's potter forever. So why isn't the Halacha itself of the Seifa against Rav? It says in the Seifa that when he claims it was stolen from me, and then they say, and then Adam comes and say that he swore falsely about it, that he has to pay Kefal. So doesn't that show you certainly that he didn't become positive through the Shua? So presumably the reason why the Gemara is not doing that is because the Gemara knows Rav is not talking about a case where he was towing Tanis Ganav. That's again, basically an explicit Pasuk in the Torah that towing Tanis Ganav becomes like a Ganav when it's proven he swears falsely. Clearly that means when Adam come and say that he lied, he's treated like a Ganav. Rav's halacha is not when he confesses himself and it's not on a case of towing Tanis Ganav. It's only on what case where he was telling a different Torah. Let's say he was telling that it got lost where there's no special unique halacha that he becomes like a Ganav, there, even if Adam come afterwards and say that he really had it, he's potter forever. So the Gemara is only challenging, but if I see that the Seifa is talking about a Shavua and based in, because or else you wouldn't have the halacha of Tohen Tanis Ganav, so presumably the Reisha as well, in the case where it was lost, it's talking about in based in. So you see that even when he made the, the Shavua in based in, and the Reisha as well, we're still saying if Adam come and testify it was stolen, he's liable. So I'm a labor. Nachman said, I could answer you a really forced answer. I could tell you that the ratio I was talking about where he swore outside the court and the safe I was talking about a case where he swore in the court. I could do that. I'm not going to force you. I'm not going to give you a forced answer. Rather, either either be Both of them are talking about in the court, but low kasher. Khan, In the first, in the ratio, we're talking about where the, the plaintiff jumps up himself and he personally, you know, is, 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 is imposing the shvua on the shomer before the, co- the court actually imposed the shvua upon him. So it wasn't a court-imposed one. Basically, in the court, it was in the court, we accept that, but it didn't happen that the court imposed the Shavuah. What happened was the plaintiff automatically steps up, jumps up, takes the initiative, and adjures the defendant and he answers Amen. There, again, that's not a court-imposed Shavuah, and therefore Rav would agree it's not going to potter him. In the Sefer, we're talking about where the plaintiff didn't jump up and personally do it, but rather the court imposed the Shavuah, and at that case, there, when it's disclosed that he, when, afterwards with Adam that he lied, and he really was, he has it, that's where he treated like 
Ganav. So it's interesting. That's a better answer. Right? We don't want to answer one's in the court, one's not in the court. But we're okay with the answer that both of them were in the court, but one part was where the plaintiff did it and one was where the court did it. But Al-Kopanim, we're coming out. The Ra'az Halacha is only when it's in the court and the court imposes the Shavuah. It has the full scope, the most severe type of Shavuah. There, once it's accepted by the owner, it becomes Pater. Says the Gemara, I know that you don't hold like this statement of Rav. It must be that he had heard it from him. Why are you pledging yourself to Rav? Meaning every question that we have with Rav, Rav Nachum is going out of his way to try to answer. So the question to Rav Nachum is like, you, we know you don't hold of it anyway, so why are you trying so hard to defend Rav? So, I'm coming to explain the opinion of Rav. I'm telling to tell you, this is what Rav would have said. So the Gemara says, now we realize that not everyone agrees to Rav. The Gemara says, Rav didn't Rav had a Pasuk, right? Rav had a Pasuk, that the, the owner accepts the Shua and he shouldn't pay. So don't we see that once the Shua is accepted, the guy doesn't have to pay. Amri, the Pasuk comes to teach me something else. It comes to teach me a big yisait. Swearing always exempts someone from paying. The halacha is, you don't collect by making a Shua, you defend your Yourself and you become exempt from making a shvua. Big you say the shvua in the Torah exempts, but it doesn't allow a plaintiff to collect. Where do we see that from? It says the owner accepts the oath and he, the defendant, does not pay. It's always the one who would otherwise would have had to pay. He takes the shvua and therefore he becomes potter otherwise. From the through swearing. We keep on asking Rav. Again, what's Rav's halacha? Once a person, a shomer, takes a shvua that's court imposed in the court, he takes an amazing shvua that he's potter. But then afterwards, subsequently, it's found that he's lying. We say, no, once the Shua passed on him, he's passed forever. So, Master of Munah, let's say the plaintiff made the defendant swear five different times about the same claim. Whether it was in the court, outside the court, the defendant keeps on denying the claims. He's liable for the Chomesh and the Ashram for each and every false oath that he, uh, that he denies. What's the Pshat? Right? It's all from one story, so why, why do we care? The answer is, because each time that he was a juror, the defendant could have retracted and admitted, and he would have been liable to pay. So therefore, each denial that he does under oath is significant under, in, in his own right. So basically, we're saying it continues to be a monetary thing, because he could have confessed after each denial and he would have been obligated to pay. So therefore, we look at each new oath as a new denial of a monetary obligation and therefore it's a new penalty for each one. How can you make him swear repeatedly once he swears once? Right, right. It's a good question. In other words, it's... it's it, 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 right, it has to be, I would assume, that there's got to be, it's got to come up in different courts, I would assume. You're right. Like, we don't want to just make a guy, like, do it, do it, do it, do it again. I guess what the guy keeps on doing is, right, you would think he should, like, get a document from the court. It's a good kasha. It's a good kasha. Why didn't you get, like, a document, you know, this was already tried? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's a good question. So, 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 fine. That's Reb Shimon's insight. So, theoretically, you could have five different uh, times where the guy is swearing, and then ultimately five different punishments for each time that he swore falsely. So, now, what's the case? You can't say that we're dealing with a case where the plaintiff jumped up and personally made, and didn't do it because it says explicitly, he had the defendant adjured, meaning it was done through the court. It says explicitly, he had him adjured, not that he adjured him. So, so you can't say we're only dealing with a case where it was where he swore outside the court because it says bifne basin. It says in the court, and so we know clearly in the court what happened. He can he become liable multiple times for swearing falsely. So according to Rav, as soon as as soon as the shua was accepted, even if Adam then tell us that it was sworn falsely, he shouldn't be chayiv. So we see that even after the the defendant takes the court imposed shua, he remains liable to pay. So the Gemara says, no, who most of them He posed the challenge and he answers it. Let's tell him We're talking about two different cases. He should be where it says he should be Allah that he had a majority, meaning that the court the court did impose it, but the case then was that the defendant swore outside of the court. 
In the case where he did it in basin is where the plaintiff himself just adjured him. So we don't have any case here where the court imposed him in the court. But in a Hanami, if the court would impose him and he took the shvua in the, in the court, then he would not have to pay. All right. So now the Gemara... The Gemara is now going to have a kasha, but it's really just going back on the Shakhvatari, because the presumption that we, would, we were just saying is that you're high multiple times, since the defendant could have retracted and admitted the liability, so then, so, 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 so then it's, from, the, from the fact that we were assuming that, it sounds like that itself, according to Rav, would be true. So let's just go over this. According to Rav, a person swears, we're saying, okay, he's accepted, he's potter. He's potter even if Adam come. But what if he himself admits that he swore falsely? It sounds like from the previous case... Um, that we're okay with the fact that 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 we think that Rav would exempt a perjurer even if he if even if he would admit his guilt. Why? Why? Why does the Gemara assume that? Because if not, what was our question? Our question was a person's liable when he himself confesses that he that he swore falsely. He's Kriv Karen Chomish Vashem. each time because he could have admitted. You see that each admittance would hold him liable. And the Gemara was asking that as a kasha on Rav. Must be that Rav holds that once the shuah is accepted, Rav the Gemara was assuming Rav holds your potter even if you yourself would admit. So not only if other Adim come in and say that you're that, that you're liable, that you're liable, do we say the Shua already pottered you? But Ras Allah is also where you yourself admit you would be pottered. So the Gemara takes that takes that assumption and now asks Akash on that. Let's say the, the Shomer, the Shomer here, that's what Balabayas means. Shomer Khinam. He claims that if, that someone stole the deposit that he had been watching, and he swears, but then he admits that he took it for himself, and witnesses also come and testify that he took it for himself. So what's the Allah? If he confessed before the witnesses came, if he admits, after the Adim came, then he has to pay Kefal, and he also has to bring the Asham because he confessed that he swore falsely. So now, Clearly, we can't be that we took the case where he swore outside of the court or the case where the plaintiff jumped up and made him swear because it says that if he, that if Adam comes, and we know that the shvu of Kefal and Torintan is gone off is only when it was imposed through the court and in the court. And we still say that whether he confessed or he's contradicted by witnesses, he has to pay the principal. So we see that Rav, of course, agrees when the person admits himself that he swore falsely. And the Gemara therefore clarifies that. Elam Harav, of course, Kohoda, of course, where the defendant admits he swore false, whether the case was he originally swore that it was lost, or he originally swore that it was stolen by a thief. Lo Amar Rav. Rav would not say that the oath exempts you from effort. It's basically a Pasuk against that. The Pasuk says that when a person admits he swore falsely, he has to pay the Karen Also, Rav agrees that if Shomer Chinam Tainas was stolen from him and then witnesses say it was stolen, then of course you're Chayav Kefal. It's basically Psukim in the Torah. Those two points Rav agrees to. The one case Rav was making, Kika Amar. When did Rav say that a Shua that a, that a Shua potters forever? He claimed it was lost, and then he swore to that effect. He never confessed, but rather Bo Adam Adam testified to his guilt. There there is no Pasuk in the Torah that says he still has to pay. And Rav says, no, that's where the Torah says, once he swore, he doesn't have to pay. So I know it comes out a little bit of a confusing point because the Gemara was back and forth on this. But Rav's halacha is very limited. There's a lot of halachas that apply to a Shomer swearing. When a Shomer falsely swears and admits that he himself swore, that's a Pasuk of Parshas Vayikra. Parent Chavish Rav, Rav agrees to that. Where he tainted, tainted, is gone of, and then it turns out that he really has to, that's a Pasuk of Parshas Mishpatim, he pays Kefil, clearly when they aid him to say that he swore falsely. The one case where Rav said is where Shomer Chinim Tanis was lost and then aid him say that it was re- that he really has it there once the shua was accepted he is bothered.
So the Gemara says, also Rav Gamla Kavish Raisa Kamdir Ravashi. Rav Gamla went and said over Rava's teaching to Ravashi that Rav agrees to those points. So Amalei Hashra Ma Ravuna to make the Rav even Ramuna who was Rav's Talmud. He didn't interpret Rav as narrowly as Rava. Right? Rav is saying it's only talking about Tanya Tanis Avid. Even Rav Ramuna didn't see it that way. If you have the Damar Ravoda, he knew that Rav said it even in a case where the guy confesses himself a Kamosa Voda. How do we see that from the case that he asked the Kash on Rav? Remember the case that was asked from the five admissions. So from the five admissions, we see that Rav Ramuna was bringing in that discussion because he understood Rav said it even by confessing. Confessing himself. And you're going to tell me that Rav didn't say where the perjurer confesses himself? Meaning the very fact that Rav Muna had previously brought that paraisa as a kashan Rav shows that he understood Rav to be even in a case where the person confessed. Once I swore, I'm potter forever. So how you how could Rav just come along now and narrow Rav and say, no, Rav only said in a case where he was telling Tanis Avad. This is where Muna meant to ask when he asked when Rav. Again, what was the mission? I said, if you swear falsely five times, you're liable to carbon each and every time because you could have admitted. So what's the real question that we wanted from there? If you tell me that after you swear falsely, if witnesses would come, you're liable. That's why you're for the last, even after every oath after the first one. Because he could have admitted. Meaning, since the money that he denied could have been extracted from him if witnesses would come, then you could say that it's a good svar that since he would retract and admit, he'd be chayav. So therefore, um, it's a, it continues for the next times he swears to be a shvu about mamon. If you tell me if witnesses would come, he'd be pater because the shvu was already accepted. Could it be that if witnesses would come, he'd be pater? And we'll be chayav carbon because he himself couldn't admit it, but he didn't yet, he didn't admit to owing anything, so therefore, there's no debt. So this is what we meant to ask a rabbi. The Gemara is explaining our kasha. We knew the whole time that Rav agrees that if we, that Rav agrees if you confess yourself that you swore falsely, you're liable. But our question was as follows. Our question was klape the, the liability after the first oath. After the first oath, is there really any more of a monetary claim that he keeps on denying? So if you say that if Adam come, yeah, he'd be mechuli of mamon, then you could say, yeah, he's denying what theoretically he could owe if Adam would come. But if you say if Adam would come, he'd be potter. And it's only the theoretical possibility of that if he would admit it would create a new liability, but until he has confessed and admits, we don't see any monetary liability. So it must be a raya, then no, there is a monetary possibility on the table, which would be if Adam would come, he'd be chayav. So the, we, we know that Rav really only said his halacha if the shul was accepted and if Adam come, then you're potter. We know Rav agrees if you confess that you're chayav. But we were asking, in order to be chayav multiple times, there has to be a monetary claim on the table. Therefore, it must be that if Adam come, you would be liable. Okay, now the Gemara moves on to a new topic. So that's really the end of Rav. We're really moving back in a certain way now to Parak Maruba. Again, Shomachinam. So again, so let's just make the summary of Rav. Rav's really big chiddish is that when a shvua that was accepted by, for, by the court, that was imposed in, by the court, in the court, and the shomer patted himself, he claims it was lost, what is the halacha? Even if Adam come, then he is patr. Of course, if he confesses, and in a case where he claims that it was stolen, then there's a din if that if Adam come and show that it was really he has it, then he's chayev to pay kefal like a god. So now the Gemara continues. Someone who claimed right, he's a shomer chinam. He claimed it was stolen, and really he has it. So what's the halacha when it, when Adam say that he that he lied? So now we continue. Let's say it was a sheep or an ox, and then he went slaughtered and sold him. He also pays for four or five payments. So in other words, once the Torah says that if you lie about the fact that it was stolen, that is treated like you yourself stole it. So, and then you pay kefal, so we continue that. Once you're treated like a ganav, we assume that if it was a sh- ox or a sheep, then 
if you slaughter it or sell it, you're chai the four or five payment. And Rabbi Yochanan explains that. We know that an actual thief pays kefel, but someone who, the shomer who claims it was stolen from him and lies, that he's also pays kefel. So we therefore compare towing tanis ganav to a real ganav. Just as the real thief who pays kefel. If he went slaughtered and sold it, then he pays four or five. Ah, so too, Torin Tan is kind of because, and so too, by a deposit, the Shomer who claims that it was stolen and really was by him, he also pays Kefal. So we assume the next law is true as follow, as, as well. If he slaughtered or sold it, he pays four or five payment. Says the Gemara, that's not a good analogy. Malagan of an actual thief, he's more severe. He pays even without swearing falsely, right? A real thief pays Kefal just because he stole. How do I apply the stringency of four or five to 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 a, to a shomer who's towing tanis ganav? He only becomes chayav to be kefal if he swears falsely. So we see that towing tanis ganav isn't quite as severe as a ganav. Towing tanis ganav needs the 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 crime of the swearing falsely. So maybe he's not liable for dalav if if he continues to slaughter. So the Mara says, Amri Hekeshahu. This is a Hekish. We compare an actual thief to Tointan as Ganav. We're going to get this because we're assuming in the, the Psukim, if you remember this from Eruba, the Psukim in Parshish Mishpatim kind of like mixed together a real Ganav and Tointan as Ganav. Because it says a person gives something to watch if it's stolen from that from the from the thief's home. So Imi Matzea Ganav, Yishan Shnaim. If the thief is found, he pays Kefal. So that's presumably a real thief. And then the Pasuk says, from Lo Yi Matzea Ganav, so on and so on forth. And he swears. So we understand that's the guy who's being Tointan as Ganav. So it's right next to each other. It's a hackish. We don't make logical arguments against the hackish. So basically, there's a hackish. Torintan is Ganav and Ganav are right next to each other in the Pasuk. So just as an actual Ganav could pay Dalabay, so do the Torintan is Ganav who becomes like a Ganav. Also, it pays four or five if he slaughters the, 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 the ox or sheep. Says This is really mamish back in the Meruba. If you say that those that the psukim there mishpatim, one's talking about Ganav, one talking about Tain Tanis Ganav, then it's good. There's a hekish. There was one opinion that said no. That pasuk in Parakhav Beis is the, both are talking about Tain Tanis Ganav. The Gemara there wanted to know why do I need two psukim? Could look, take a look back there. But Alkopanim and the regular Ganav is a different pasuk in the Torah. So Ma'ikalamemer. So then I don't have any hekish between Tain Tanis Ganav and Ganav. So the Gemara says Amri Ganav Ha Ganav. It could have said without a hey, but it said the thief, so that actually is meant to be like a reboy. So it comes to tell us that all of the penalties that apply to an actual thief apply to a toin tanis ganav as well. So again, what's Rabbi Yochanan's chiddush? Toin tanis ganav becomes like ganav. What does that mean? I give a shomer chinam something to watch, and he claims it was falsely, and he swears falsely that it was stolen when really it's by him. Witnesses say it's by him. He becomes chayv and kefal. Rabbi Yochanan is makadish vaiter that he becomes just like a ganav, and if it was a sheep that he. <coughs> Slaughters, he'd be high of Dalve. Says the Markash on Rabbi Yochanan, Israel Chibrav, Rabbi Yochanan, Kash from the Bryce, Hey, Chanshori. Someone goes over to Shemar Hey, where's my ox that you're supposed to watch? He says, Nignav, it was stolen. Now, Shriachan, he says, I adjure you that your response is, is, is truth. Amar Amen, he says, Amen, but even such Achlo, afterwards, witnesses testify that Shomer ate it himself. Shomer has to pay Kefel. So now, Let's think about it. It says that the, the witnesses testified that he ate it. That means witnesses are testifying that he ate the meat. How do you eat meat? Of course, it was slaughtered, right? So that means what happened, presumably, that what happened was the shomer first first slaughtered it and then ate it. So it still says that he pays Kefel. So it's a real chath because it didn't speak, say anywhere he slaughtered it. But we're saying if it says Adam testified he was eating the meat, clearly that means he slaughtered it. And still it says he's only paying Kefel. It doesn't mention four or five. So we see Torin Tanis Ganov, who then slaughters it, does not pay Kefel. Does not pay Dalve. 
You know what? He didn't, he didn't shecht it. <laughs> he ate it as an avela. Lightning struck it. It was no kosher shechita, so it was no dalad vehei. And he ate the meat wrongly. He's a sinner, a really bad sinner. Forget about the fact that he's a liar. And as far as falsely, he's also a sinner that he eats nevela meat. But uh, there was actually no slaughter. Okay, so that was a pretty extreme example of making the guy a sinner that he... Uh, he, he ate nevelos. So the Lord says, "Listen, going to achal trefa. Why don't we tone it down just a little bit? Why don't we say he ate it as a trefa? Meaning he slaughtered it, but the case was that it was a trefa. It had like let's say a hole in the lung, and a trefa is presumably not a kosher shkita. So the Gemara says, We've seen this issue a few times in our travels. Now, what if I shech something and the meat cannot be eaten? Is that considered a shkita or not? So if I don't shech it at all, let's say lightning strikes it. So of course, then then there's no shkita. Let's say you know I chop the animal in half. That's not a shkita. But what if I shech the perfect shkita, but I cannot eat it because it has a hole in the lung. Is that a shlita or not? So Rameir says it is. Rameir says it's not. So we're going like Rameir, so we didn't want to answer that the case was that it was a trefa. Because then you would be high for Dalabe. It's still considered a shlita. Says more volitionally, Why don't we do, talk about a case of Ben Pekua? Everyone know Ben Pekua is the fetus found alive inside a slaughtered animal when the womb is cut open. It's an unbelievable idea where the halacha is that you could just eat the fetus without any shlita. So most interesting halacha. There's, an, there's a case of an animal that doesn't need a shlita, a case of an animal, a fetus found alive in the mother's womb. So why don't we say that's the case? He was eating a ben pekua, so he didn't shecht it, and he was still able to eat it. Why don't we give that answer? It says the Gemara, we're going like Rameir, but Rameir holds a ben pekua does need shlita. So you have to take a look and hul in exactly what circumstances the machlokas is. But Akhopanim, we don't want to answer that. It says the Gemara, why don't we say that the case was there, the, the custodian was already brought to judgment? Again, he was throwing down his ganav and then he was found out that he was a liar. So the case was the court said to him, go pay, and then he slaughtered and ate the animal. So in that situation, he's not chayv dalvei because once the court found the thief guilty of stealing it and they said, go pay back, if he subsequently slaughtered, he's potter. My time, and what's the reason? Once they concluded, they gave a verdict that he has to go return it if he slaughtered it, and at that point, he's, he's not continuing his original theft. He's just a new act of uh, Gazlan. So big you say, when I steal something and, and then I continue my act of theft and I slaughter it, so then I'm chayv dalvei. But once once the court found me liable and they said, I must go return it. So at that point, it's now considered a, a brazen act to go ahead and slaughter it. It's not continuing my act of theft, but it's new brazenness of the Gazlan sort of attribute to go slaughter it. So there's no halacha that a Gazlan pays dal Whereas if the court just said, you're obligated to pay. Then he's chayv. Since it wasn't concluded, there was no final verdict. Uh, they didn't say go pay him. They just said you should be liable. But they didn't, they, they, they didn't, um, they didn't give the the the, fine, the final verdict of go pay him, so then he's still considered to continue his original act of theft. Akati Ganavu. So, because why didn't Rabbi Yochanan explain that was the case? The, the, the court already told the shomer go pay him, and then afterwards he ate he ate the animal. So Mar says, "I'm really We could come up with other answers also if we really want to be creative. Maybe the case is he stole it together with somebody else, and one partner stole it not to the awareness of his friend. So therefore, the guy who's paying kefal is not is not going to be chayv dal day. But it's still he's eating the meat because his partner." Slaughtered it. So why didn't we answer that? Sometimes you even answer, and you could have given two or three other answers. That's not a kasha. So don't get all bent out of shape that we didn't uh, figure out every last answer that could have been answered. So bottom line is, we have uh, defended Rabbi Yochanan's statement. Rabbi Yochanan's statement is Tony Tanis Ghana becomes like a Ghana if he sub- subsequently slaughters it. He is Chayv Dal Vehei. Says the Gemara of Amar Kibra Amar Yochanan. Tony Tanis Ghana Baved someone who's Tony Tanis Ghana with a lost with a lost article that he found. In other words, I find something. 
and now I'm watching it for you, right? I'm, I'm watching it to return it to its proper owner. And then the reality is I just take it for myself. And I claim, when the owner asked me where it is, I claim it was stolen from him. What, uh, stolen from me. What is it? You pay kefil. Meaning, just as a shomer who's telling Tanis Khan pays kefil, so to a shomer aveda, someone watching a lost item also does that. My time is if I'll call aveda, I'll share you my for any lost article, which he says. That's in that pasuk of Tony Tanis Khan of the pasuk. I'll call Varpesha, I'll share Hamar, I'll Sama, I'll call aveda. So what's I'll call aveda coming to say? That even a shomer aveda has this din of Tony Tanis Khan it says in the Pasuk, if a man gives his friend from there we learn a miner's giving, a miner's deposit is nothing. In other words, the halach of Shomer don't apply when the depositor, the one who owned it, is a minor. I would only know that if he gave the deposit when he was a minor and he sued, that it be returned to him when he's still a minor. How do I know in a case where he gave it as a minor, but he sues for it to be returned to him when he's an adult? How do I know that the same exclusion applies? Until the court, the court until the judges, both of their claims come. It requires that the giving of the deposit and the suing are in the same. It's a hackish together that both of them are done by an adult. Okay, so, so we learn from here that if the deposit was given by a katan, then all the halachas of Shomer don't apply. So if it's true when I'm a Shomer Aveda, then also, and a Shomer Aveda as well, there could be the din of Tomitanus Ganov, then when a minor gives it, it shouldn't be any different than a lost article. Meaning even when it's a lost, no one, no one gave it to me. The halach is, that is, that is the shvua there, the claim of sufficient weight that he demands an oath from the one who found it, then he could become a chayv and kefal if he lies that it was stolen from him. Then, then how could a, a, a cotton giving it be any worse? If there was no person who gave it at all, I just found it on the street, I could become liable through, through false swearing. So certainly when a cotton gives it, it can't be less than that. So we're talking about the case that the Shomer ate the deposit article when the, when the Shomer was still a minor. So it was never, the, the deposit was never in his possession while he was an adult. So it never, it never enters the category of something that a, a valid claim could be presented. In the case of the lost article of Rabbi Yochanan, once, once the Shomer takes it, he, 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 has to, he, he has to return it to the adult. And therefore, there could be a claim on him if he would take it for himself. Whereas here, he ate it when the minor deposited it and the, he ate it when the kid was still a cotton. So therefore, there was never a claim. Says, <laughs> what would be the law if he consumed it when he was an adult? What would Allah He would have to pay. Instead of the bride of saying that the suing has to be and the deposit have to be when he's adult. Listen, actually, it shouldn't be about the suing. It should be the consumption and the suing are when he's an adult. And the Gemara Gorafaz, you're right. It's about that. We don't care if it was deposited when it was a cotton. But if the eating, it was consumed by the guy when the kid already grown up, then in a Hanami, there could be a claim. Or the Gemara gives a different answer. No, a deposit given by a, mi- by a minor is not comparable to a Shomer Aveda. Why? Here it comes... How does it come into the finder's possession? Based upon someone who's a bendas, meaning I took it from the street. So I make the decision to take it. <coughs> so it comes by a bendas. So there there's liability for swearing falsely. In this case, what happened? The deposit is given by a minor. It didn't come into my possession by, the, by someone who has competence. It came into my possession because the minor gave it to me. So the minor giving it to me doesn't create any liability. Me finding it on the street and taking it in, so my competent das takes it in. There I am liable. So Rabbi Yochanan's halacha is that a shomer Avedo is watching could theoretically be liable for for lying about towing Tanis Ganav. But we're still saying that doesn't bother us that someone who's washing a deposit for a kid has no liability of Shomer Tanis Ganav because there's a difference. One came into my possession through my competence taking it in when I found the lost object, whereas in the case of the, of the, of the kid, he just gave it over. He came into my possession not through a legally competent mind.